think about apocalyptic literature in the Bible, we tend to think only of John's revelation. However, the Bible is littered with tales of the end. This morning, we have two such descriptions of the eschaton, or uh, what theologian Sam Wells calls God's end. Um, I think it's always good to clarify that it's God's end (laughs) and not ours, Um, that God will bring everything to a close in God's time um, and not not our own. Um, And we'll explore that a little bit more and tease that out a little bit more. Um, But I always like to begin anytime I'm talking about apocalyptic literature. I'd like to begin there. Um, Daniel's vision is our first one. Uh, Daniel's vision in which the departed wise and righteous rise into brilliant glory from the dust and God's people are delivered. Then we have a warning from Jesus. Beware that no one And I would add, nothing leads us astray. For the end is still to come. God's end is still to come. I think we are afraid of these texts. Uh, Almost all of them have at least one thing in common. Catastrophe. They tell us of times when our time will come to an end. Our schools, homes, jobs, churches will fall away and become rubble. They tell of times when not one stone will be left on top of the other. However, I think they also tell us how we should be in these times, in those times, and at all times. These stories are not just for end times, they are for our time. They remind us of our work and they teach us how to hope if we let them. The young disciple who looked upon the great people, uh, the great temple of Jerusalem with wonder and amazement reminds me of many of my friends from undergrad. I went to a small school in a big city where many of the students were experiencing the urban jungle for the first time. My school is known for producing great preachers and pastors. Uh, I don't know how great I am, but I appreciate the legacy. (laughs) But it it attracted many young guys from rural areas looking uh, looking to transcend the limitations of the storefront or the old country church. Not saying anything's wrong with an old country church. I've been through many in my time. These guys were almost always talented beyond belief, humble, infectiously joyful, and amazingly carefree. It was not uncommon to be traveling on the local train and hear the quietness of a late afternoon commute broken with an unfamiliar hymn belted out like a cry in the wilderness. Inevitably, others would join with claps, stomps, and occasionally some harmony on the chorus as if to say, I am like you, I am with you. To my friends, the trappings of urbanity meant everything and nothing. 
They were often amazed and intrigued by what they saw, but it was as if they knew that these buildings and buses and bureaucracies were meant to collapse and therefore had no bearing on when, where, and how they would live. They lived like Jesus himself whispered to them, not one stone would be left on top of the other. But Jesus keeps looking out from the mountain at the temple. What did he see? What was left beyond a flattened temple, barren market, and upturned empire? Amakar Cabral was a West African revolutionary artist and agronomist who led an armed rebellion against Portuguese in, uh, uh, the Portuguese in Guinea-Bissau and Cape Verde. Describing the fighting conditions of the revolution, Cabral once said, we are in a flat part of Africa. The manuals of guerrilla warfare generally state that a country has to be of a certain size to be able to create what is called a base. And further, that mountains are the best place to develop guerrilla warfare. Obviously, we don't have those conditions in Guinea, but this did not stop us beginning our armed liberation struggle. As for the mountains, we decided that our people had to take their place, since it would be impossible to develop our struggle otherwise. So our people are our mountains. So our people are our mountains. One of the fascinating things about Cabral is that he was an agronomist, meaning he studied agriculture uh, from a systematic level, from a macro level. He looked at entire systems of agricultural economies, um, entire nations' agricultural production. He was particularly interested in the soil of Portugal and his native lands of Guinea-Bissau and Cape Verde. Cabral thought of soil as a thing with a history that impacts and is impacted by time. Mountains, for Cabral, were just soil waiting to happen. Time and climate would eventually wear the mountain down to rocks, rocks down to their component parts, and those component parts into soil when the right ingredients were mixed in. The mountain is the soil. The soil is the mountain. The people are the mountain. And the people are the soil. The soil, which is to say the people and the land, was where the seeds of revolution would be planted. This soil would deliver his people. This soil would raise the wise and reward the righteous. I believe when Jesus looked out beyond the buildings to what would be when they were gone, he saw many mountains, not like the one he was perched upon, mountains, uh, rather mountains eroded and made low by time, transformed by catastrophe, slow in unfolding, but not erased by it 
flattened and withered over lifetimes, but also made rich by the same. I believe Jesus saw what Cabral saw in his people, good soil, a place to plant the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, a kingdom that has come and is yet to come, that is here and not yet. Humanity in all its diverse and beautiful glory is good soil for the kingdom of heaven. We are all good soil for the coming kingdom, the kingdom that God has already placed within us from the beginning of time. This beautiful vision does not make us impervious to distraction and anxiety. It does not excuse or erase our pain and sorrow. Jesus knows this as well. He says, beware that no one and nothing leads us astray. Catastrophe is around us. Fires are decimating our homes. Gunmen are disturbing our joy. And hatred is disturbing our peace of mind. Borders are obscuring our sights. We cannot see the good soil. Jesus says, beware. Be wary, but not weary in your well-doing because catastrophe will happen and must happen if change and transformation is expected. What then is the path? What is the way? What is the work that sits before us? Where must we place our attention? Well, as much as I have come to love Cabral over the past week, our work is not armed rebellion. It is not by hating our enemies or alienating those who might be different from us, who believe or vote or pray differently. Our way is love, love of God and love of neighbor. We hear it from Scott as the God love life. We hear it from Bishop Curry as the way of love. And we heard it in the scriptures last week. Hear, O Israel, and if you cannot hear, see. And if you cannot see, feel that love whatever way you can, that love which God commands of his people. We must, in the midst of catastrophe, in the midst of ecological devastation, in the midst of political turmoil, in the midst of death and destruction, do the work. We must love because that is what sees us through to the kingdom. We must love God and neighbor. We must enrich and sow into the good soil. Now, Bishop Curry says there are seven aspects of the way of love. Seven. I don't have that kind of time. Uh, I don't think anybody speaking in an Episcopal pulpit um, anywhere has that kind of time. <laughs> However, one of my favorites of the seven is turning. One might hear turning and think, fire and brimstone, turn away from your wicked ways. But that's not love. When I think of turning, I think of soil. I think about preparing the soil to be planted in at the beginning of the season, allowing the rich, beautiful, luscious side to show the side that has held all the nutrients 
from all the compost and the compost tea and the sweat and the love. Turning is not about walking away. It is about positioning ourselves to receive new gifts and eventually to yield even more than that which was given. Next Sunday is the last Sunday in this liturgical year, in Christ the King Sunday. As we prepare ourselves for new things, as we look to the future and look past the present, let us remember that the kingdom is coming, but it is also here. It is planted in good soil. If you don't think so, turn over and know that God is good and know that you are good. Amen.